Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I am your host, Mary Catherine Ham. He is my co-host, Vic Mattis of the Washington Free Beacon. We are your morning show for any hour, proudly, moderately right and moderately reliable. How's it going, Vic? Hello, Mary Catherine. It's going fine. I took your advice, and the other night I watched El Camino. Ah, the how did you bre- feel about this? The Breaking Bad sequel from 2019. Well, I'll tell you how I felt. As you know, and as listeners know, I just finished the entire Breaking Bad series, but it still leaves you with a sad, empty feeling in some way or another, and you're searching for closure. And this brought some level of closure, at least obviously when it comes to Jesse Pickman, played by Aaron Paul. It's funny because it's like a Netflix movie, but it's basically one long episode right. following up a coda, a coda of what happened to Jesse following the the huge blow up, you know, his abduction by the Welker gang, Jack Welker's gang, et cetera. But here's my big observation. You know, my big observation is Mary Catherine. Okay. So the show ended in 2013. Mm-hmm. This movie came out in 2019. Six years have passed, and right. some of the and the actors they've either gotten older or larger, <laughs> or a combination and of both. I'm seeing some. I love Robert Forster and and Jonathan Banks. I'm like, man, they just like more. It's like there was no makeup now. They just actually old people. And then Jesse Plemons, who plays Todd, the psychopath, mm-hmm. he got huge. I mean, so he, I mean, if you watch him in El Camino, this is supposed to take place, you know, you know, six years ago, of course, but, you know, CGI, they they can make you look younger, but they can't make you really look thinner per se, unless mm. it's, you're just going full on, you know, Grand Moff Tarkin computer generated image. So it, it's kind of comical and distracting in a way to watch, you know, Jesse Plemons acting and he's got this, you know, jowly and he's yes. thick. I said, that's not the guy. That's not the guy That's at all. That's not the same but, dude. But it was, it's kind of funny in that sense, but it did offer some closure and still, of course, it's tinged with sadness. So now I have just finished the first episode of Better Call Saul. Okay, and good. So good. I, I'm not going to escape the world of Albuquerque. No, uh, no, you're is... going to be stuck here for a while. I might uh, as well just go there. And you'll uh, enjoy it. Yeah. Can I also just say- uh, you, Did you that... watch? You watch Better Call Saul? Yes. And can I just say that Ray Seahorn is her name. The woman who plays Kim Wexler throughout Better Call Saul okay. is amazing. Oh. And it is a crime against art that she has not won a major award as supporting really? actress oh, yet. Okay. And I don't think she will because she keeps getting nominated against all these darlings who keep taking it yeah. home. And I'm like, this woman is phenomenal. She pay- She plays this part with the perfect amount of She's likable, but she's edgy. She's a little, she's very tough. She's a little bit, maybe like a, a tiny bit of a screw loose, but you can't tell how she's yes. fantastic in this role. Okay. And I can't believe she's never won a major award for it. Well, I look forward to checking her out. Also, she's beautiful. And she started her career in Washington, D.C. on the stage. Oh, how yes. about that? She was a theater person in the dc area before she moved out to la is she is she like a love interest uh, yes she's okay. a fellow lawyer and i don't think that spoils anything they're just sort of oh i think i've seen i i think i know who you're talking about because i think she has a brief appearance in the first episode she's great okay so. thank you how are you mary Catherine? i am good i don't really have much to tell we had a nice nice time oh no i do have news <laughs> oh yes. breaking breaking news my last baby, my fourth baby, is now crawling. Oh, so, congratulations. Time marches on, Vic. Waits for no man and no baby. And the baby is out of here. Last night, uh, we were we were out on the porch. The weather was beautiful. My parents are here. My dad's cooking steak. All the kids are outside. And he decided to finally go hands and knees and and. Take take some little crawls across the porch to his sister. And oh my god! All the kids are cheering for him. Oh, that was a bit very. Oh, that's <laughs> wonderful. So he's off, which means now you yeah. know my job just got harder. But 
This how does it start? We want, I don't even. We want our children to soar. We want I don't to even soar. remember. How does it start? Is it like tummy time, and then just see what they do? Yes. Yeah, so you got to do the tummy time because they got to get strong, <laughs> right? They got to uh, build those yes. muscles. Tummy time. Yeah. And then yeah. he de- he decided for a while that he was just going to bounce on his butt, so he was sort of bouncing forward. Sure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. My niece did that. And then he realized he could crawl out onto his hands, and so the we've mm-hmm. we've just gotten the coordination down. Oh for the for the crawling he's about eight months old so that's yeah. like normal they'll want to explore this is exciting and terrifying yes because now i have two mobile babies and yeah. the other oh, one my gosh the other one's very oh. fast so yeah. it's gonna be there's there's gonna be a, you know just calisthenics aerobic exercise is gonna be yeah. required for this so that's where we are that's um it's, but it's a good time that's that's that, that's, that's wonderful also the weather here so lovely we finally uh, reached that point. It, yeah, we get we're gonna get a couple weeks of this, and then it's gonna turn cold on me. And you know I'm a wuss in the cold, so that's right. From North Carolina, that's true. You're gonna break out the sweater next week. Oh my gosh! It took me till I was like 32 years old to realize that when it's cold outside, if you just get a proper coat, it's much less terrible. I was like, oh, Southerners don't have proper no, coats. No, we but, just no, have well, like I mean, stylish leather jackets and stuff. For, we don't... for me, yes, for me, it takes me a while to get into that fall winter mode and kate says it's because i have the island blood which is kind of a microaggression it is but now i'll tell you really one really quickly and then we can move on you know when my sister she had recently been to the philippines and she said you go to these malls and people are buying like sweatshirts and sw- it's like 100 degrees outside and humid but people are buying and she asked like why do people buy sweatshirts here in the middle of the philippines and her cousin said well, it gets so cold in the mall that have, they have an excuse to wear it because it's I just an accessory. It. They don't get to wear this stuff. Well, this is know? like L.A. In L.A., everyone has layers. I'm like, how are y'all layering? <laughs> they what want, are you doing? They want so badly to wear the layers. Right? When it gets down to 70, I guess. Yeah, yeah. They oh, put that's their, it. Break it they out. put their scarves on. Yeah. That reminds me to warn everyone. Look, you're going to do this. I've done it myself. It feels you want to jump into fall. I encourage you not to. Treasure your summer. But I get it. You want to jump into fall. and there's weekends coming up when you're going to say, let's get out to do some apple picking. Let's go to the pumpkin patch. And when you do that, you're going to want to put on a flannel shirt and boots and jeans and maybe like a knit hat. And I would encourage you to rethink that or at least layer to the point that you can go down to a tank top because it is going to spike to 83 degrees while you are out there. Yeah. And you're going to be mad that you put your flannel shirt on while you're chasing your toddlers and it's 82 degrees outside. That's right. Because we're, we're at that point where the mornings are chilly, but it still makes yeah. it to the 80s. During, Do not during let it day. trick you guys. Just no. because you're having a pumpkin spice latte does not mean it's actually fall. Okay. What you what you you know, what don't you learn? From this podcast. This I'm just putting it out there, guys. Look, a bunch of, I we're gonna get emails and people are gonna say, Thank you, Mary Catherine. I wore a tank you top saved my life. I wore a tank top under my flannel in mid-September. Yeah. I love how you're describing the LL Bean catalog, by the way. That whole outfit. I need to get I don't I'd like to get I'd like to look like I'd like to look like a, a man. That would be nice. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. You can get yourself some flannels too. Just don't wear them until later. Okay. Okay. We got stuff going on, Vic. Oh, Let's man. talk about the news. Boy, do we. I want to talk about this. The, the I believe this might signify the beginning of the dam breaking on the uh, President Biden might be too old to run stories. Uh, yeah. We've had a little bit of inching toward this. Sure. But now David Ignatius, a, a real pillar of the punditry mm-hmm. community at the Washington Post, runs a piece this week called President Biden Should Not Run Again in 2024. Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of... There's a lot of him and hawing before we get to the point. There's about oh, there's yeah. about eight to ten paragraphs. Of oh how, yeah, I want to talk about that. How great he is here! I, let me let me read you the segue into like mm-hmm. this is just the last paragraph right. of praise before he gets to the the point of the the piece. Which look, I understand he's trying to convince different people than us, right? Yeah, that yeah. we're not the audience. What I admire most about President Biden is that in a polarized nation, he has governed from the center out, as he promised in his victory speech. With an unexpectedly steady hand, he passed some of the most important domestic legislation in recent decades. In foreign policy, he managed the delicate balance of helping Ukraine fight Russia without getting America itself into a war. In sum, 
he has been a successful and effective president. Okay, look, I'm not buying that, but let's move on to the next paragraph. But I he, don't. We, he got our troops out of Afghanistan. Let's. Not oh forget. boy, yes, yeah. that's a foreign policy feather in his cap. But I don't think Biden and Vice President Harris should run for re-election. It's painful to say that, given my admiration for much of what they have accomplished. But if he and Harris campaign together in 2024, I think Biden risks undoing his greatest achievement, which was stopping Trump. Look, I think from Biden's point of view, that is his greatest achievement, yeah. is that he he did not allow Trump to be reelected in 2020. Sure. And that's partly because I don't think much of his other things he's done. But I think even from his point of view, Ignatius is right, that that would be the thing that he's probably most proud of. What's interesting to me is in this, he he lays out his two liabilities. His hugest liabilities are one, his age, and that everybody sort of is noticing this, guys. He, he even says, Biden's age isn't just a Fox News trope. It's been the subject of dinner table conversations across America that this summer. And I do think that is true. People... Yeah. See what they see with their eyeballs, guys. The other liability is that because he's old, people are thinking about his VP and <laughs> they don't like her. Unlike us, Vic, they are not charter members of the Kamala Harris fan club. That's right. So he writes, Biden could encourage a more open vice presidential selection process that could produce a stronger running mate. There are many good alternatives, starting with now mayor of Los Angeles, Karen Bass whom I wish Biden had chosen in the first place, or Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo. Oh, but man. breaking up the ticket would be a free-for-all that could alienate, alienate Black women, a key constituency. Biden might end up more vulnerable. So his conclusion is they both have to step aside and say no. Uh, you know what would be an even more controversial pick? Joe Manchin. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because, you know, they put themselves in these boxes. You know, they got to check off. The, the, the candidate, the running mate has to be from this particular group or that particular group. And then, you know, they put themselves in this in this little box. And and it's kind of patronizing when when and, and you know, insulting when when Ignatius is like to replace Kamala Harris with Karen Bass. Well, we know what's going on there, you know, and even yeah. Karen Bass is like, you know, Karen Bass in California was complaining uh, about Gavin Newsom because, you know, she's running for the Senate and right. she's like. It was it was insulting, she said, because Gavin Newsom's like, I'd like to, you know, in case something happens to Diane Feinstein, you know, I would like to replace her and appoint a black woman, but not somebody who plans on running. Right. And so, you know, they have these little boxes they have to check yes. off and then they find themselves in this uh, again. Biden, you know, he, he could have gone with Amy Klobuchar, you know, but but instead, you know, he had to get Kamala Harris and it turns out he didn't have to. And now he's got this problem because it is going to, if he gets rid of her, it doesn't matter if it's with another black woman, people are right. going to be upset. Her people are going to be upset. Well, There's no way out of this. Here's the question though. How many people does she have? Well, they, I mean, I guess if you count all the alumni yeah, yeah. of her office that have all run away because yeah. they don't enjoy working yeah. for her, she has, quite a, she has quite a network. But I do think it's a bit of a myth that people are very attached to her. The issue for them is this is one of those things where like many sort of intersectional controversies, cancel mm -hmm. culture controversies, the people who would be mad about this would be very, very mad and very, very vocal, but I don't think they represent a ton of passion. The problem for the left is that they're trained to listen basically only to those people. So yeah. I don't think there's this widespread loyalty to her. Uh, I don't think there is but I think a bunch of evidence going, for that. Go ahead. I think the complaints are going to be loud. Yes, You know, exactly. it might be a small minority, but they will make it loud and it'll become a story. And then that's what she does not need. I was going to say this about the David Ignatius column, by the way. You, you, know, you know when someone on your side is going to go against you, go for the kill. It's when that lead graph opens with saying all the nice things. You were saying this. And I was reminded of my old college friend, Jose, because he would always, you knew he was going to go after somebody when he opened up, when he would open up by saying, you know, so-and-so, he's nice and all, but, and sure <laughs> enough, graph four opens with, but that's yeah. the opening word of that fourth paragraph is, but, you know, so, and there it is time for you to go. They're being polite because they say things like, you know, we're, we're you know, that we, we, a majority of Americans, independents, even Democrats feel that he might be too old to, quote, 
effectively serve. We're less polite and we're going to say that, you know, he might not survive a second term, like physically might not survive a second term. They don't want to say that, but they're saying that he might not effectively serve. And they're right. And, and, and you were just talking about this because the administration is trying their hardest to spin this as, you know, with age comes wisdom, but it's not working. And one reason is, as you were saying, we see it for ourselves. Maybe they don't play it all the time on CNN. They don't do highlight reels like we do at the Free Beacon or on Fox but they see it everywhere else on social media and there's no denying it. Like you cannot, Corinne Jean-Pierre can tell us all she wants, how hard it is to keep up. We don't believe her. Nobody actually does. You can no. kid yourself. And then the other thing is this. Uh, yeah. And the, you're right about the Kamala, the Kamala factor. That's very true. But the other thing I want to add is, you know, most of us know someone in their eighties, you know, mm -hmm. and they all are of different you know, abilities at that point, right? And I mentioned this on previous shows where people in their 80s, some of them, you know, are, are, are not doing well at all. And others are like, they feel like they're in, they look like they're in their 60s. Uh, case in point, Nancy Pelosi, who's going to run again, you know, she's still sharp as a tack. Oh, by uh, the way, much like, much like El Camino, those six years can hit hard, oh. you know? That's <laughs> right. Joe Biden is more like Todd, Jesse Plemons. You can see it. You can see it. And the, you know, and so... But I mean, again, and there, but there's people, there's 70s who have dementia. Well, you know, life is not fair and these things happen. But I'm just going to say Joe Biden is not like Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Grassley. No. And this is a job. I mean, they can get around. But the most important job in the world, as we like to say, you know, it requires a lot of stamina, physical and mental stamina. And I, I don't think, you know, he has it. You know, it would be busy. It would be hard enough job for anybody to be working around the clock. And what we're seeing, of course, is that he's not working around the clock, right? What do they say? You know, Jen Psaki was saying, what time does he get up, get up around nine or something? The, yeah, and there's the a lid at, there's and, a lid at one thirty two every day. Yeah. You know what? Wait, just wait till the next state dinner is at four thirty. You'll see. <laughs> you know, the happy, uh, happy at the early bird since state you, dinner. Since you Nancy it mentioned Nancy Pelosi, we should play her sharp as a sharp as attack non endorsement. Of Kamala Harris the other day, mm -hmm. I believe this was on CNN. But do you think she is the, the best running mate, though? She's the vice president of the United States. So people say to me, "Well, why isn't she doing this or that?" I said, "Because she's the vice president. That's the job description. You don't do that much. Mm -hmm. You know, you you know." Yeah, Ignatius follows up. You, you know, denied her. By the way, very biblically, denied it three times. Three times denied. <laughs> like she's well, a great vice president. She so she's a devout Catholic, as you know. So. Ignatius, you know, you know, the knife is really going to go in when it's four or five paragraphs of nice stuff about you. No, he, the longer, he, the longer the run up is, oh, it's going to go. Yeah. Oh, dear. So he, he does. He ends with this idea that Biden has never been good at saying no. He should have resisted the choice of Harris, who was a colleague of his beloved Bo Sunbo Sun when they were both state attorneys general. I love the Bo excuse thrown into uh, everything. Yeah, Bo is, really? is the reason the reason he I did everything. Mm-hmm. He should have blocked then House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan, which has done considerable damage to the island's security. Wow, wow. David Ignatius. Yeah, he should yeah. Have he's stopped, a realist. He should have stopped his son, Hunter, from joining the board of a Ukrainian gas company and representing companies in China. And he certainly should have resisted Hunter's attempts to impress clients by getting dad on the phone. Mm -hmm. Biden has another chance to say no to himself this time by withdrawing from the 2024 race. It might not be in character for Biden, but it would be a wise choice for the country. Ouch! Ouch. Yeah. And of course, he's not going to do it. He's not that kind of a... I'd be shocked. I mean, the last president who said they're not going to seek re-election was what? Lyndon Johnson. Well, and he's in been... In the middle of a been... massive war in Southeast Asia. You know, Joe when Biden was, is not... Yeah. When was the first time he ran for president? In the 80s, right? Oh, yeah. In the 80s, yeah. So he's been chasing this, uh -huh. chasing yeah. this dragon yeah. for a long yeah, time, guys. Yeah, he finally got it. And he finally caught it. And he's not going to give up. And no, I would be surprised... If he did one of either of those things, either if he decided, you know what, you know, this is a young man's game and I'm not going to do this anymore. And once I did the job exactly as David Ignatius said, and I stopped Trump, mission accomplished. And it's also unlikely he is going to get rid of Kamala Harris. It's a that's also a big deal in presidencies that, uh, it, 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 you know, it hasn't happened in a long time. I remember in 1992, there was some talk 
that George H.W. Bush should jettison Dan Quayle because they thought Dan Quayle might be the problem, you know, and he wasn't going to do that because, right. you know, the Bushes are big on the loyalty thing and, and, and Quayle was very loyal despite the entire press making fun of him. And I just want to say this really quickly, which is for people who sometimes defend Kamala Harris and say that one of the reasons why she has such low approval ratings is, you know, they're unfair to her because, you know, she's a black woman. We're not metabolizing We're, her firstness. Yeah, well, that's right. right. That, that's right. That's right. And and that that's and that's part of the reason why I it, she's getting an unfair shake. And that and that, you know, if she were like a white man, they wouldn't do this. And I'm like, I'm sorry, Dan Quayle was ridiculed from here to, you yeah. know. No, no, and, no vice president has ever been made fun of before. Please. Talk to yeah. Chevy Chase about I guess that I guess it's but, president. Forward. but no, but you know, but it's but it's true. And Quayle was was mocked around the clock. And so in any event, just just give me a break. Give me a break. Speaking of which, uh, this the the Bo Biden excuse, mm-hmm. by the way, comes up quite frequently. Bo Biden, of course, died tragically of brain cancer in 2015, I believe. Yeah. And it's, this is a resurface clip that I'm going to play you real quick just so that you can see the range of the Bo Biden talking points. This is from 2019, an NPR reporter, by the way, asking Biden about doing business with Hunter doing business with Ukraine and the fact that he had been told this is not a great idea. Let's let's hear a little bit of this. Former White House aides of yours who tried to warn you about the potential conflicts of interest. Nobody warned me about a potential conflict of interest. Nobody warned me about that. And at the same time, George Kent, the State Department official testified that he raised it to you. No, he didn't say me. He did not. To your staff. I I never, never heard that once to your staff and your staff told him he has no bandwidth well my son was dying i guess that's why he said it because my son was on his deathbed first of all i i don't remember that interview props to the uh to the reporter who i believe rachel martin props to her for a tough interview that i had not seen before but just so shows the versatility with which he throws that particular uh, story yeah, around or excuse like can, yeah, around yeah. and it's you know let's let's do better let's do better than that speaking of the 2024 lineup well all these guys we love who are going to be running against each other um <laughs> yes and by which i mean two historically unpopular figures megan kelly interviewing oh. donald trump this week we have a, a trailer for that interview, which is apparently an hour long. I'm going to go, I'm going to play the trailer for you guys. A, because I think Megyn Kelly is extremely good and she's got this chance to grill the guy who wants to be the Republican nominee and he doesn't take interviews that often. So let's listen. And here she covers a lot of ground. So here's a little bit. 77% of Americans say that Joe Biden at age 80 is too old to be president. Are they right? No. Not only did you not fire Fauci, you made him a star. Wouldn't you like a do-over on that? You're big on the firing. Yeah, I fired a lot of people. I fired Comey. You allowed biological men to compete in the Miss Universe pageant at the time, which you owned. A lot has changed since 2016. Have you? No matter what you do there, you're going to take heat. Can a man become a woman? Um... Why would you describe a newspaper article as highly confidential and still a secret, saying as president you could have declassified it, but now you can't? I did nothing. But let's get to my question. Even if you had the right to the documents, once you get the subpoena, you got to fork them over. The subpoena said, give us anything with a classified marking. Does it make you angry? Yeah. When I saw the mugshot, I said, he's angry. Yeah. Yeah, it makes me angry. There is a realistic chance you could go to prison. Can you see that happening? When you were moderating the debate for Fox, that frankly, if I didn't come up with the answer only Rosie O'Donnell, I would have had a problem with that. That was a bad question. That was a great question. That was, no, it was a nasty question. It was question. awesome. You don't have to be running for president, sitting for four criminal trials. Is it worth it? Would I like to be at uh, Turnbury in Scotland right now? I may never see those places again. Boom. You know what I love about the teaser is it's 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 front loaded with all her questions and you're dying for the answers and she deprives you of that. Deprives deprives until you have to because you have to watch the whole thing. And well, so I that do a, want to play one of the answers here, which is this exchange on COVID and fashion. Okay. And I think this is one of the things that I think you know Trump has to answer for because although I concede, I think he is. His performance during 2020 is likely better than Biden's or another Democrat in the executive mm-hmm. position would have been. Mm-hmm. It certainly was more pro-lockdown than several governors with whom he was doing battle 
in those early days, including right. Ron DeSantis and yeah. Governor of Georgia Kemp. Fire Anthony Fauci uh, was because he'd been there for a long time, that you would have taken heat, that it would have created a firestorm, quoting your words. Then for the first time in well, May... Well, I also said I didn't listen to him too much. I'm yet. getting there. But then in, in May, you started saying, well, he's a civil servant, so I yeah. couldn't technically. The truth is, though, not only did you not fire Fauci, who is loathed by many, many millions yeah. of Republicans in particular, but also some Democrats. By the way... You yeah. made him a star. You made him a star. This is the criticism of you, that you made him the face of the White House coronavirus task You think force, so? That he was at every presser, that he was running herd for the administration on COVID, and that... You actually gave him a presidential commendation before you left office. Wouldn't you like a do-over on that? Uh, I don't know who gave him the commendation. I really don't know who gave him the commendation. Well, presidential I commendation. One went off the mark. Somebody Miller, probably. Too. Who gave him the presidential commendation, Vic? Oh, I'm afraid to ask. Who? who uh, to, to, well, the president uh, yeah. did. Yeah, I was going to say he's uh, hoping it was some lackey, but he's, it he's was the him. president. <laughs> so it says President Trump. Awards commendation. That's the the headline from the White House at the time. He goes on. It's about a nine minute segment of that interview is on COVID. He goes on to say, and I think, you know, he has some solid points about things he didn't get credit for. He thinks he deserves more credit for the Operation Warp Speed. He thinks yeah, he, the vaccine. I think he certainly deserves more credit for the drive, the attempted drive to get kids back to school, which sort of yep. laid bare the political drive of the unions and all the sort of major medical pediatric mm -hmm. associations who were just like, never mind, we changed our minds. We don't want to agree with Trump yeah. and therefore we're going the other direction. But when he says that, you know, these other governors were pushing lockdowns, it's just not true. Like in the early days, there was there were very few people who were, let's stay open. Like there were very few Sweden types, but there were people who resisted him and Fauci yeah. in the early days, among them Florida and Georgia. And his quotes at the time, I'm going to read this from Stephen Miller pulled this up. For the purpose of creating conflict and confusion, some in the fake news media are saying that it is the governor's decision to open up the states, not that of the president of the United States and the federal government, Trump wrote on Twitter. Let it be fully understood that this is incorrect. Why is he saying that at the time? Because people want to open up and he doesn't want them to. When somebody's president of the United States, the authority is total, Trump said at a press briefing on Monday when asked about the governor's plans. And that's the way it's got to be. It's total. It's total. And the governors know that. It's not total. Thank goodness yeah. there were governors who went against it. But this is an interesting exchange because many people care. And many right of center people care about what happened during COVID. Do they care that he's doing revisionist history. We shall see. Yeah. At some point, Trump is probably going to have to do a debate. I mean, I'm sure he's trying to ride out the storm and that, you know, the, during the primary, these other candidates will just, you know, cut each other to pieces. And then he just gets to step in, even if it's with a smaller margin, but that he, he can do it without having to debate any of them. And then he this way, they can't pin him down on something where he's trying to move to the right to cater to one group and then tack back to the center, as happens with many candidates from a primary to a general election. But at some point, he has to be, he's going to be asked about the shutdown and COVID policy because ultimately he was on one side and certainly Ron DeSantis was on the other. And again, you know, when it first happened, of course, they're not sure. And he was under enormous pressure and people panicking, mass panic about, you know, shutting down everything and how is this being transmitted, coronavirus, et cetera. But you're right. And, and had he gotten rid of Fauci at the time when he would, Fauci was like more popular than anybody, right? right. In America at the time. And, and they, they probably would have, they probably would have impeached him. Well, <laughs> so they would have moved. No, I'm not saying impeach. I'll say an impeachment inquiry. No, about uh, his decision. And by the way, you'll notice that we're not doing impeachment inquiry today because yeah, we're going to talk about this for the rest of our lives. So just we'll yeah, we yeah. will get to it. We'll get um, to it, and we'll yeah we'll get to it. And by the time by the time we get to it, we'll see if Kevin McCarthy is still the speaker. But he oh pushed back today. He he dropped the f bomb today. So it's endearing Matt Gates and the others to challenge him on this. You know, to try to take him down. Not not the Fauci f bomb. A different. No, one. no, no, no. So this is kind of <laughs> yes. This is this is this no, is exciting. But I do think. Look, this is a, and it, the question is, does the electorate care about it? It was a question of leadership in 2020, right? right? Early in COVID, you had a choice whether to err 
on the side of freedom and make yeah. your decision making process an American one that that said, hey, look, we're a free country. There's only so much we can do. Now, the left certainly wanted him to be more dictatorial, which oh, is so strange, yeah. by the way, because they're always like, he's ending democracy, but also we want him to end democracy for all yeah. states. Yeah, uh, and there's, there's, there's their way to end democracy and then right. the other way. In March 2020, they wanted him to just like yeah. shut down everything everywhere. And But I do think he has this issue where leading meant looking at the data. Leading meant pushing yeah. back against Fauci. Yeah. Leading would have meant, even if you don't get rid of Fauci, putting him uh, with a bunch of economists who have to weigh yeah. Yeah. the the rational risk analysis, you know, benefits against costs and all of that stuff. Right. And it just, we went way too far into just handing the ball off to Burks and Fauci, which in the very early days I sort of understood, mm -hmm. but you're not the guy who's supposed to be handing the ball off. You're the president. Right. And, you know, again, it's something that became very clear as the pandemic went on, which was the difference between seeking the advice of medical experts as they are in the community versus deferring to policy on them because they, they, they're, they're going to err the, on the side of extreme caution and do things that may be harmful in other ways to the country. Yeah, the most, the their, most myopic yeah. and neurotic leaders possible. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> It'd be like, you know, a friend of mine who was looking for a different doctor to have, you know, just, just a GP and in his doctor shopping had met a guy who said, look, I'm, you know, I'm not one of these strict kind of fellas who says you can't do this, you can't do that. I like to have, you know, a glass of wine once a year myself. Yeah. And immediately <laughs> he's like, going to go to a different doctor. Well, you know, <laughs> thank yeah. you for your input. Yeah. All righty. Senator Mitt Romney made uh, an announcement yesterday. He will not be coming back to the Senate. He will not be running for re-election. We'll play a little bit from his statement on that. I've spent my last 25 years in public service of one kind or another. At the end of another term, I'd be in my mid-80s. Frankly, it's time for a new generation of leaders. They're the ones that need to make the decisions that will shape the world they will be living in. He's taken the opt-out here because he will be in his 80s during that next That's right. term. And he says you know, time, time for a new gen, new gen leaders. So I appreciate that. What, what do you think? Vic? It's a twofer because uh, on the one hand, uh, yes, he's setting an example for some of our other elder, literally elder statesmen who might not be up to the challenge, right? Because as you get older, one of the funny things he says, I don't know if he meant it to be funny, but he said, you know, the, the issues that he deals with, right? We're talking about China policy, climate policy, and artificial intelligence that politicians his age are having trouble grasping. It's like, you know, remind me of the senator who was asking about the, the internet is a series of tubes. Remember that one? Right, so right. It's, it's, it's this thing. I'm, I'm, I'm 50 and I don't understand AI, right? Except to say that I fear it. <laughs> and said, I fear technology. I, hey, I don't like change. As as illustrated by Fauci, sometimes that's all you need to be a leader. It's just, you know, just fear. Yeah, just just fear. some good old uh, fashioned so, fear. That's that's right. So so that's one thing. And the other thing is, I think Utah it, has moved uh, more to the right, or he has moved more to the left in terms of their compatibility, and that there's no doubt he would have faced some sort of a primary challenge from for the sure. right. Uh, Trump, I noticed on Truth Social, had said, "Great news for Utah." Because that would be on brand, his brand of being a jerk. But at the same time, also understandable for Trump since uh, the guy voted to impeach him twice. Okay, even the, the first one, I wouldn't have done that. That's come on, you know. So anyway, I get it. And he doesn't want to have to go through a fight. And you know what? He's got a lot of money. Not that, that that's the reason these people do it. They, I'm sure they enjoy the power. But, you know, he he's done some good. And, and then, he's, of course, he's done some bad. He mentioned yeah. You know, the, yeah. Well, really, the legislation is, that he mentions, I don't know. Yeah, same. It is interesting to have his, him as an example, because as he's speaking in this video, it's very clear that the clean living of all these years is not, not threatening Romney's cognition no. or looks one no. bit. So he's one who could go into his 80s probably with yes. not a lot of trouble. <laughs> so there's some irony there. Look, I like Mitt Romney. Yeah. And I think he is probably one of the more decent people 
we will ever right. have run for president. Right. That being said, as soon as his announcement came out, McKay Coppins has written an entire book on Romney and got quite a lot of access to him. And he released an excerpt upon this news breaking from his book. He's an Atlantic writer. Yep. And in it, you know, Romney chides other U.S. senators such as J.D. Vance and Josh Hawley for basically knowing better than their populist pandering. Yeah. And that, that they should not do these things. And he does, has less respect for them for this reason. And then he works with others who are more sincerely populist, I guess. Sure. Uh, but uh, our friends at National Review, Phil Klein and Michael Brennan Doherty, mm -hmm. both wrote pieces pointing out that, hey, they're not the only guys who have been malleable in their values in order to make it in politics. One Mitt Romney has been yeah. willing to do that, famously foregoing his pro-life position That's right. for a pro-choice one at first and then flipping back the other way. Mm -hmm. So I think those are good points. Although I am friendly, I am Romney friendly. I think it's a good point to say like, look, he's, why is he the only one who's allowed to do these shifts? Right. Right. I will also say, by the way, he is going, you know, the media is going to fawn over him for this, right? Because he's their kind of Republican. He's a guy who took a stand, a profile in courage, right? Except for when uh, they treated him like he was the devil in 2012. Exactly, exactly right. They hated, let, let it not be forgotten that these are the same people who hated him in 2012. The Washington Post, do you remember the hit piece, the ridiculous hit piece they did against him? And you know what it was? That it was a long investigative piece that when Mitt Romney was in middle school, he was a bully. Yeah. yeah. That he cut a kid's hair. Mm -hmm. And then they went to reach out to the kid who was now like in his 60s or whatever. You know, it was like, oh, I remember that. I mean, it's really kind of awful. And I, in fact, I, that's like the, I canceled my print subscription over that because I thought this is too much. Mitt Romney, really? So, so you know, bad. they'll move on to the next. And I've always said, whoever the candidate is, the, the, the line that they're going to tote is worse than Trump. And, and, and we'll just have to wait, except for it's going to be Trump. But anyway, if it wasn't, they would say that anyway. There's no way for me to prove it now. But he also did something quite remarkable. When I think about, you know, he, he's from Michigan, but of course, the son of George Romney, but of course, he was the governor of Massachusetts. And then 12 years later, becomes a senator from Utah. That's quite a trick to pull. Indeed. And, and, and those I, are very I, different states. They are. And I'm not. And he got to use his Mormon cred for that. But and I'm not Michael Barone, so I can't off the top of my head think of how many other politicians pulled that off. Not that they're from different places like Hillary, but actually held office in different right. states, which is a really interesting thing. But he was a very he was very accomplished, competent. He, you know, he ran the Olympics. Remember that? So he's good. But and again, decent, not nasty, not going to send out these, you know, horrendous tweets, insulting person, somebody like Carly Fiorina for her hair after she had chemo or anything like that. But there you have it. Yeah. There's, there's, a, there's an alternate earth where he became the president of the United States of America <laughs> and things were very different. Uh, that's yeah. right. Well, that would have been 2012. So right now we'd be in the presidency of Paul Ryan. Right. We probably, we probably would have a very different approach to the yes. fiscal cliff at this point, yeah, no, there wouldn't be one, and also I'd be the um, I'd be the ambassador to Austria. I'm oh, just gonna throw that lucky in there. you! Yeah, and yeah. I would be visiting you with all of my children and overrunning the embassy <laughs> or the ambassador's home. That's right. That's right. Oh, it's a different Earth. Uh, that's a, that's a different Earth and yeah. a different time. All right, so that's I, I'm giving you the fair and balanced takes on okay. Senator Romney, but we that's wish right. him the best with all of his glorious grandchildren yeah, we and do. the state of Utah as well. Okay. Oh, the people want us to talk about this, Vic. Yes, they do. They I know what you're going to say. talk about this. It's from my our 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 home state of Virginia. That's right. A, a hot story. A oh, hot man. story out of Virginia. It is. It is hot because she actually is attractive. Okay. And she's a hot nurse. But okay, go into it. Hold up. I'm jumping let the me, gun. Let here. me set it up. Let me set it up. Please. Now we have now we have families who listen to. Give this us the podcast. blow by blow. Listen up, Vic. <laughs> We have families who listen to this podcast, and okay. I just want to say right. that I might euphemize mm -hmm. some of this. Mm -hmm. And euphemisms are okay. We can we can get those past the goalie, so to speak. And but let's try to keep it there. So we're this is from the Daily Wire. This yes. is originally broken, I believe, by the Washington Post. Meet Susanna Gibson, aka 
I'm going to go with my euphemism oh. here, hot gardening wife experience. Oh, right. right <laughs> the right. the dim ca- candidate who also has an X-rated profile right. on a lewdly named website. Okay. A Democratic candidate for state office in Virginia appears to have been raising money for, quote, a good cause by performing graphic gardening acts online, <laughs> which he told viewers all about her preferences and said they could watch her water the lawn for the right price or even do some work in the backyard oh hey Um, she's running for a seat in the narrowly divided virginia state house i looked it up it's 50 46 republicans in the state house right now it's Um, yes it's narrow this is a close one she was as recently as last year posting as hot gardening wife experience mm-hmm. on a website. Oh, wait, her, I, I believe her Monica was hot wife experience. It was, it was. It was. I'm just adding our oh, okay, euphemism. Okay, good. I was worried uh, about something else. Okay. No, no, no. Where men could pay to- tokens to get her to perform specific gardening acts. Um, yes. And uh, tokens. Said, yeah, we can. So weird. Okay. So it, yeah. The Washington Post broke this story. The That's Daily right. Wire. The Associated Press confirmed as well. The Daily Wire apparently obtained the videos, but they have not posted them obviously pretty graphic as which is why i'm uh using my my metaphor and she seemed to confirm that these are real by calling the videos quote an illegal invasion of my privacy designed to humiliate me and my family here's the thing she's with her husband in the videos Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. doing the gardening yeah but she's selling those to nearly six thousand followers and then claims it's a quote sex crime to shed light on the existence of the account that's right my political opponents and their republican allies have proven they're willing to commit a crime to attack me and my family because there's no line they won't cross to silence women when they speak up wow that's a move that is an impressive gaslighting impressive it might be more impressive than some of her gardening tricks yeah oh hey (laughs) (laughs) okay first of all and i know some listeners were hoping that i'd go full-on gene mode here but i won't and i I should have encouraged you you to uh, do so you might as well Vic. here we are story is no the story the, the story is nuts you know, Republicans, the Republicans really gave her the shaft. You know, what, what am I supposed to say here? I can't say, you know, and look, and she's a nurse and she's probably a great nurse. She's probably very super anal about these things. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, and I'm just talking about being meticulous with details here. Indeed. Excuse me. Yes. But the idea that the claim that that this is revenge porn and that somehow her privacy was violated and she's also working or going to the FBI and her lawyer is threatening people for whoever reposts the videos because, you know, who did this in the first place? How did it get here? Because she posted it for money and she performs for tokens. The token thing is a little bit more complicated, if I can explain. It's like they're tips. She, she has does in- intimate knowledge of this. Go uh, ahead. I, you know, as a journalist, I do my research. And, you know, so it's, you, you pay to watch. You can give, you know, requests and they do these different as you would call them, gardening acts. And then you can also add tips. Like you add tips at the store or Uber, you can always add tips, right? Right. I'm not going to say everyone's like, yeah, I'm just talking about just the tips here. And it's like 10, I think each token is 10, it's like 10 cents a token and she'll be like, I'd love 500 tokens. Well, why don't you just make a dollar as a token? I don't understand what's happening here. That was a little confusing. Okay, but what's not confusing yeah. Well, you probably how need the, to do more research. That's Yeah, I do. I, I, I just got to, there's so much I can say. I a little bit can't do it. I can't do it. You can't. I believe in you. Hands on, a little hands on research. Okay, no. Okay, you see that? It's what I was going to say is what 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 what's not complicated is how it got up here because she was doing this also while she was already a candidate. Yes. And the things that she's willing to do, well, she's pretty much willing to do everything. And here is my cynical take. Ready? Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. By the way, I love that it works as a, a sort of a content warning that people could have even kids listen while I'm talking. And then as soon as Vic starts, just shut it off. And oh, they just, <laughs> they just, they just, you know, they just finished They just, they, they just fast forward to, and that's all the time we have. Okay. <laughs> she considers it a violation of privacy. Ready for this? Mm-hmm. Because that content was only meant for paying customers. It's amazing. That's my take. That is an, no, no, this, I think that's actually pretty much 
her right. argument, right? Right. Because so what does the lawyer say? The lawyer says like, well, like, and the same thing with the revenge porn law in Virginia. And there is a revenge porn law in Virginia, which is that you cannot put anything up uh, like this of this nature without the consent of the person there. And she did not give her consent for freeloaders to have access to this action. And that, so that's, that's, that's my take. Look, I can only imagine what, according I can, to by his, the way, I could, yeah. to each according to his need. Okay. Even that, with gardening right. videos. Okay. This that's is, right. if you believe in your values yeah. as a left-leaning progressive woman, then mm-hmm. this stuff, I guess, right. has to be free. And, you know? and, and Louise Lucas, who is the Democrat head of the state Senate in Virginia, she tweeted out the story referring to this as a, a Republican leak. And I'm like, you know, there was only one person doing the leaking here. <laughs> and it cost you. It's going to cost you. And this so, is, you know, I, and, I will but, say, let me say yeah. that Democrat or Republican, if it were indeed revenge porn, I would be sticking up for her. That yeah. that would be a huge violation. Mm-hmm. That would be something that should not be allowed. Even if it were say, like, like if her phone were hacked and these were private videos between her husband and her, right. that isn't anyone's business. And that right. would be a violation. She made this the business of 6,000 followers on yeah. a site. Mm-hmm. And then this is this is me with a blindfold on looking for your expectation of privacy when you are a right. public figure oh. doing that. There is no expectation of yeah. privacy at that point. Yeah. I also like to point out really quickly, because I know we're, boy, we're running out of time. She got the, she, she received the family-friendly seal of approval from a left-wing group called Family Friendly Virginia. Oh, God bless. Yeah. Okay. And I know some other listeners wanted us to talk about Senator John Kennedy from Louisiana reading from this book. Oh, you know, you I, know I, what? that but, one we cannot euphemize. Now, we are not going to air that, but I will say it's not the voice you are reading that. But at the same time, I, you don't want to, I don't want to be reading that at all. But that's basically his point. And you see this from in place to place where, you know, school boards will defend, you know, the, the keeping of certain books or they're insisting that it's, you know, that young children read books like genderqueer or graphic novels like genderqueer and then some parent will read it at a hearing and the board's like nope we can't have that here shut the mic off this is my this is my modest proposal my modest proposal is that if there's a problem with reading it into the public record or parents get their mics turned off uh or kicked out of meetings for reading a book into the public record then it is perfectly reasonable for us yeah. to have a debate about what age of children should be consuming yeah. this content. So that's right. Uh, many, many of our liberal okay. friends were sort of dunking on themselves by posting Kennedy and saying, oh, look at how gross this is. Yes, exactly the point. That is the point. I just want to say back in 2010, I believe it was, do you know, Crystal Ball, who is the host of oh, Breaking yeah. Points uh, yes. on YouTube, a very famous, a very popular political mm-hmm. podcast. And she's a big free speech advocate. She's certainly a woman of the left. She ran for office in 2010 and some sexually suggestive photos of her with her then husband at a Christmas party came out during that campaign. This is an example of where that is like, that's something where I don't, I don't think it was a violation because I believe these were sort of like publicly circulated in some way, maybe on a private Facebook page or something like that. But that's one where it's to me more reasonable to say, okay, this was a thing that she was doing with her husband. She actually spoke up for herself at that time and said, look, this is a new generation of people who are going to be coming through this process. And the vetting is going to be dealing with people who have lived their entire lives online. And I thought she was right to stick up for herself in that situation. Yeah. This one's pretty different from that, but it does preview that the people who live their lives online in the future, the vetting of candidates is going to get very, very interesting. Right. I mean, they'll have histories dating back decades now on yeah. social media and everywhere else. Okay. Yeah, I, do, I think those those actually were, the, her photos actually were leaked in some capacity. So point being, I stuck up for Crystal Ball at the time and I would stick up for this woman if they hadn't been pub- publicly posted for thousands of people. That is, mm. um, that is materially different, my friends. Feel free if you want to delete this line or bleep it. I'm just going to say, you know, Susanna Gibson's got at least 5,000 guys sticking up for her, too. And that's all the time we have for that. No, I know, really. I just killed it. Okay. No, we're, there's too many co- There's too many topics, Mary Catherine, to, okay. to cover down this episode. But and we might have to hold some. But uh, I do. 
somebody wanted us to also talk about this airport drama. Do you want to yes, talk about the yes, airport drama? I do. Okay. I, I got the, I got emailed this and or DM'd this yeah, many yes. times, not in a yes. Susanna. And I have uh, questions, so this way. is good. This is from the New York Post. Starbucks is awfully expensive these days, but it may have cost one man his marriage. An anonymous traveler revealed on Reddit that he recently left his wife holding the bag and her skinny no-foam latte in an airport departures lounge after she snuck away from the boarding gate for a quick coffee, shortly before their transcontinental flight was due to take off. The shock confession posted only days ago to the Two Hot Takes subreddit reeled in 8,000 comments. Many users were unequivocally supportive of the deserting dad who was determined to get to the East Coast to see his daughter at college, even if it meant the fight of the century with his left-behind spouse. 47, he's from the Pacific Northwest. He explained that traveling with his 43-year-old wife is not a great experience. Uh, he describes himself as type A while his wife is the opposite. I like to have everything organized. My wife is the opposite. Very go with the flow. And we will get there when we get there I, I this is a dynamic of course i'm not at all familiar with <laughs> i'm shaking my head because i know what side i'm on but. so in the past they had missed a flight entirely because of her dilly dallying yep. yep so due to the last airport mishap i wanted to make sure i told her we need to leave extra early so as not to leave, miss the flight again because this, of you we need to leave extra early because of you because of you this time, the couple made it to their gate with some time to spare, which eased the man's mind, but annoyed his wife, who continued to complain about having to wait to board the plane. Uh, the couple made it onto their first flight, and then a second gate was far away. She stops for coffee. I told her we couldn't do that. We didn't have enough time. I tried to discourage her, but she was determined. Fifteen minutes went by, and the plane starts boarding. I called my wife, hoping she was nearby. <laughs> she didn't answer. They called a few groups, then ours. In a panic, I called my wife again three times. Finally, on the last call, she answered, and she said she was on her way. It was a long line, and she had to wait a bit. I told her they were almost done with boarding. She needed to yep. hurry up. The man claims they waited at the gate until a crew member told him that the door needed to be closed, meaning he needed to get in his seat. He insisted that he tried to plead with the airline worker, but it was told the plane could not be held up any longer, so I boarded the flight. His wife called him a few minutes later after he settled into his seat. <laughs> so she got totally left. I'm with him 100%. He, Look, at first, I he made like the effort. Know. He made the effort. He called. He texted or he called. He let her know, hey, this is happening. Go ahead. I would like to know who gave Steve a New York Post column. <laughs> <laughs> and shared your private details. How dare they? <laughs> no, I actually, I'm also with him. Right. Does she have her boarding pass? And did he text her? That's it. And you know what? You only you're gonna either either the kid gets to see one parent or no parent, or that they're gonna be late. And maybe there's another flight that left later in the day. But I'm telling you, if I'm in that situation, by the way, you know, you go to your flight. You ever see those long lines at Starbucks? The first thing that comes to my mind is not worth it. It is not worth it. And you know what else? Chances are they have coffee on the plane. They they might not have the fancy you know, cold foam, double pump latte, whatever it is that these people get. My daughter gets something like that, but you know, but they're going to have coffee. And I just, the idea of waiting in line as this is happening would drive me nuts. And I also like to get into places so that you can roam around the airport in time. I mean, I like that. I like being able to have, just to be able to say, okay, we're ready to be called. I, I Running to the airport, I've done it on a couple of times, not my choice, but these things happen. Not great. So, what about you? Uh, you know, I live that life. I live the dilly-dallying life. However, I'm very practiced at sprinting through the airport. I'm experienced with this. <laughs> but does everyone I, else then have to sprint with you? Is there, oh, this is just well, you alone. It, this is just me alone oh, or okay. with children whom I then carry and or push. Okay. So I'm really doing a lot of work here. Yeah. I have realized since being with my husband that perhaps there is a better way to do things. So I more often get to the airport early than I used to. However, the thing about me is that if I'm behind, again, I'm carrying the load, I'm carrying the kids, I'm doing the work. I am not asking others to do it for me. Yeah. Okay. So That's right. in the case, if I were to do this, if I were to drop the ball this bad, and I don't think I would, cause I don't stop yeah. for extra things. Cause I know that my timeline doesn't allow for extra things. <laughs> if I did this to my husband, would I be annoyed that he was gone without me? Yes, but I would be annoyed more at myself because I would yeah. know that I caused this problem. Yeah, that's right. And he said, he said he was like, honey, you need to get the next flight. And 
when they talked on the phone, he didn't, she didn't seem like she was that upset about it, but now he's been home and she hasn't talked to him in a week. <laughs> oh, I was going to, I was wondering what the end result was, but you know, and now of course this is blown up and everybody's talking about it. Did you get a sense? Are people generally on his side versus her? It sounds like a lot of people are on his side. Yeah. Look, this is a big flight. It says trans, a transcontinental flight. You know, yeah, it's like a it's long it's flight. Not, not one that you necessarily can just jump on the next one. Like no. it's a shuttle. Oh, yeah. She had plenty of time, it sounds yeah. like. Yeah. And she she didn't need the coffee. You know, my my niece once, you know, she traveled with a friend and her family. And of course, my niece, you know, my, my sister and her husband, my brother-in-law, he's Dutch, you know, and, and he likes to get way ahead of time, very organized. You know, they, they right. cut to the chase, the Dutch. They don't mince words and they right. get to, they, they, they plan, he plans everything out, right? Well, this family didn't. And it's like an hour before, you know, they showed up maybe less than an hour to the, before boarding, you know, and, and before the, before the plane takes off 30 minutes before boarding. And then they missed, you know, they missed the flight and they they just sort of sat around like, oh, what do we go? I don't know. We'll just hang out here then maybe. And, you know, of course my sister, you know, she went, you know, ballistic and it was like, okay, you got to get a hotel. I'll find you a place. What are you going to do? Sleep over there overnight right. in the hotel? Because you're just like, oh, whatever. We haven't eaten since lunch. Oh, whatever. And, but there are people like this. <laughs> there are people like this, like, oh, whatever. You know, so I've, anyway. I've lived on the edge. Not me. I've no, lived on the you. edge many a time. Yeah. Uh, I think I might've, I think I might've aged out of living on the edge when it comes to yeah getting to the airport. It is, it is much more restful, less yeah. stressful to yeah. get there early and to just yeah. forego yeah. the Duncan if you need to. Not worth it. Not worth I went with Steve to a flight one time and we were so early that I got my nails done at the express spa. Do you know how early that is? That's really early. Yeah. Well, thanks to Steve. I mean, my yeah. nails looked good. No. So, anyway. All right. Do you want to end? Let you want to end on Anna? Oh yes. Yeah. Okay. Then we wrap. Oh, up. good, good, good. So, Vic uh, has do you want to explain? You want to pick? So, so. Oh yes, yes. I can explain this if you want, which is, and you could play the video. So the views, Anna Navarro, she went on a vacation to Greece and Turkey and she lost a lot of weight. Yes. I'm going to find this. For and I'm not even going to, I am, I will not even begrudge her that because I will, I will concede. She does. She does look great. I'm going to say it. She looks great. Uh, and then she went on Instagram. Okay. Here I, I got explained I got why. I got our clip. Here we go. Okay. Look who's here with her mama. How beautiful is my baby girl. I missed her so much. The Greece was spectacular. And so was Turkey. And you know what? I drank and ate like a condemned person. And I actually lost a pound. The food there is so healthy, so fresh. Lots of fruits, lots of vegetables, nuts, olives. I guess olives are fruit, right? Simply grilled seafood, simply grilled chicken, no processed food, no fast food. It really was kind of spectacular. So, Chacha, I don't think I have a weight problem, Mama. I think I have a country problem. But I'm so happy to be home. Thinking today of the people in Central and North Florida going through that hurricane. It's a terrible thing. But uh, hopefully they'll heed the warnings and be okay. And I'm happy to be back. Excuse me. How dare. So she, what she's talking about, of course, is the, literally the Mediterranean diet. But that line at the end about, I don't have a weight problem. I have a country problem. Okay. I, and I'm curious what you will have to say. Uh, you've been on The View. Like, I will acknowledge there are parts in this country where you have these food deserts, not every town, you know, my hometown in Jersey, there's not a whole foods there, you know, it's, it's, it's not everybody can afford $15 salads from sweet green, but you know what she can. And I guarantee you where she lives, there's probably this place called Kava, you know, yeah. or wherever. And she can get, you can eat all those things here in America. And what, what her, when she says it's not a weight problem, a country problem, it's just because the, their their mere presence that she gives in to the temptation then of going to these fast. That's what I think she's suggesting. No, I but just give I me a break. I think you're correct. Like the the fact that these things are here means she must consume them. I guess uh, instead of making the personal yes. choice to do something different. Yeah. The fact is that in America we have 
a wide, wide, wide range of readily available calories for you in many, many, many forms. And I agree with her that if you eat fresh food and non-processed food, that is often better for you. There are ways to do that. And yes, you do have to get a little creative with your budget, particularly in these times of massive inflation. You have to be a little creative. But the idea that you have to change the entirety of American culture in order to fix that for you, I think is very entitled sounding. Yes. I also would say, and you know, Anna is now sort of a woman of the left, I would say at this point, right? Now you forget that she was on the, was it Jeb Bush's campaign? Yes. She was a sort of Republican consultant slash yeah. operative for a long time. One of the culprits here is the longtime sort of elite agreement in media and government regulation about nutrition that's largely wrong, much like many of the conclusions they came to during COVID were incorrect, but were group thinky. And part of changing the culture might mean changing that part of it. But, you know, that's not something she's talking about. She's just like, ah, Europe's better. You know, I wish I could be there right now on Santorini or Mykonos. Instead, I'm going to have to walk down the street to Cava. Okay, that wraps up this episode of Getting we have Hammered. A country problem over here, Vic. <laughs> Actually, you're not pre-diabetic. You have a country problem. I have a country. Yes, that's right. Blame my A1C on America. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and you can follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. I'm at MK Hammer on Twitter at MK Hammer Time on Instagram. You can follow the podcast at Getting Hammered Podcast on instagram and by the way in the near future we will be coming to you on video on youtube that's a real thing that's happening so stay it's exciting stay tuned for that thank you to anybody who's joining us from the ruthless crowd i know some folks are coming over and visiting we appreciate having you thank you for getting hammered responsibly this has been a nebulous media podcast (laughs) 